Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throw it high into the air. Got him. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the official Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the film has been digested, all 10 free agent additions, every snap of their 2019 season, and detailed notes on what the Dolphins are getting from the all 22 of each of these new signees. We're going to get to five of them today, and we'll get back into five more editions of the all 22 breakdowns on tomorrow's podcast covering the players we don't cover today. Up today, the non-front seven players, Byron Jones, Clayton Fedulum, Jordan Howard, Ted Karras and Eric Flowers along the offensive line and in the defensive secondary. All of that and much more here on this Monday, March the 30th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I know we wrapped up these free agent signees a week ago, but you come here for the comprehensive coverage and I didn't want to roll out some half-baked analysis on the newest members of the Miami Dolphins. So I made it a point to lock myself in the bunker. What a time to do that right now. Hope everyone's staying safe out there with the coronavirus and on our lockdown quarantine. I made it a point to go back and watch every rep of all 10 players the Dolphins signed during free agency to ultimately unveil a film slash all 22 heavy edition of the Drive Time Podcast, and we'll break it into two parts. Since five of the ten signings were in the defensive front seven, so we're going to use that as our separator. On tomorrow's podcast, we're going to get to Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogbaugh, Alandon Roberts, and Kamu Gruje-Hill. But for today's show, we're getting into the tape of Jordan Howard, Ted Karras, Eric Flowers, Clayton Fedulum, and Byron Jones. And we'll start there with Byron Jones, a player who says... A big reason he wanted to come to Miami was to be a catalyst for establishing Brian Flores' culture here, and if you haven't done so yet, I strongly urge and recommend you to go back and listen to my interview with Byron on this podcast. The Dolphins signed him on Wednesday, March 18th, and the podcast debuted on March 20th, so go back and check that out along with all the interviews of the Dolphins' free agents. And you're definitely going to love this guy's interview on the podcast. Very enlightening, sharp, and dedicated guy. But you're also going to love the tape, which I want to talk about right now. And quite frankly, it would take a lot less time to list the things that Byron Jones can't do because I'm not sure if those things even exist. Look, we've heard about the interception argument, which is beyond tired and lazy. His ball production is terrific. He has 41 career pass breakups, and he can play around the line of scrimmage. He can press and mirror. He has the loose hips to flip, turn, and run with the speed receivers of today's game. He stays in phase and on that inside hip. I love, love the way he plays the ball on the rare occasion where he can't get his head around. Usually, he does get his head around, and sometimes you have to recover and just play the receiver's eyes and hands, like on a fade route where the ball comes out too quick for the cornerback to get his head around. Think about it like a basketball defender playing straight up and down to avoid fouling the shooter. That's kind of what Byron Jones does when he attacks the football at the catch point. It results in a lot of separated passes from receivers' hands once the ball gets in there. Very good at that skill set. He can play man, he can play 
play zone. Doesn't really matter where he does play. He recognizes and anticipates route concepts. He can set the edge as a run defender and give way out there because he does have the speed to win the foot race so he can honor the inside lane, but also have the recovery speed once again to the outside edge on run defense. And that foot speed really, really shows up on a play against Washington last season against Terry McLaurin. And remember, Terry McLaurin runs a 4-3-5 40-yard dash at his combine last year. And Byron Jones is lined up in outside leverage. And what this means is that Jones is lined up on the outside shoulder of Terry McLaurin. And McLaurin's running an inside post and wants that inside release, so he takes that access to the inside portion of the field, which means that Jones is already at a disadvantage against a 4-3-5-40 guy, but he stays in stride step for step and carries that route all the way to the post. The ball gets out there. He makes a play on the football. So you see the speed and the ball skills downfield for Byron Jones, your new Dolphins cornerback. A couple of plays I saw that really stood out. That one against Washington and Terry McLaurin, quite obviously. A couple of plays against the Eagles he made in the Week 16 crucial game in the NFC East at the end of last year. And the one play in particular is an outside run from Miles Sanders, the speed back who ran a 4-4-5 in his own right. So you know that he can burn as well. And Byron Jones is on the outside edge. They run a little bit of misdirection. The ball comes back Jones's way. And while he maintains that outside contain, he's able to also honor the inside. So Sanders does have to bounce it outside, thinking that he can beat Jones to the edge, but not so fast, my friend. Jones runs him down, makes a tackle right around the line of scrimmage, and he is such a sure tackler when he does get his hands on the ball carrier, and he's aggressive. He'll stick his nose in there and make plays down in the box against a running back, against a tight end coming across the formation. You name it, Byron Jones is going to do it. And there is a separate play in that Philadelphia game where he's got coverage on the backside of the formation and there are two routes running in the general direction, the general vicinity of Byron Jones and he does so well to basically keep himself in position to make a play on either route if the football comes to either of those pass catchers. One is a post route from the outside receiver. The other is a flag route to the corner from the tight end Zach Ertz and Jones just keeps gaining depth and gaining depth and eyeing the quarterback. And once he recognizes the ball's going to Ertz, the tight end, he comes out of that back pedal, out of that drop, and drives on the football and makes a play on it and breaks the pass up. Just shows you really good instincts, really good innate feel for the position. He just, he's a smart football player. And you can see that time and time again, rep after rep, in the way he gets himself into proper position over and over again. And that's why his production, we talked about it on the Byron Jones episode last week, that's why his production is so good against some of the best receivers in the league because he's so consistent across the board and everything he does the smarts the instincts the ball production the speed to turn and run with the burners of the NFL and the toughness my goodness he is such a tough football player I posted a clip on my Twitter timeline about a week back showing a play back in 2015 against the Jets where Jones's kneecap comes out of place and he just pops it in gets back up and is in there for the next play just incredible toughness to fight through the elements of going through the war of attrition that is an NFL season he's going to stay on the field for his teammates. We talked about that on that podcast. So he really checks all the boxes you want in a player at that position. And I've got notes on one last play here against the Buffalo Bills on the Thanksgiving Day game. And Jones is aligned as the perimeter defender on a 
wide side of the field alignment and the receiver tries to run a fade route on him, goes to the end zone and Josh Allen sees it almost immediately because there's nobody up over the top and takes that shot and Jones gets his hands on the receiver, stays in stride step for step and then once the ball arrives, he punches it up into the air and damn near gets himself an interception for his teammate because of that work. It kind of reminded me of the play way back in the, was it 20... 14 NFC Championship game, the Seahawks and Niners, when Richard Sherman punched that ball out for the interception to clinch that game. It looked just like that, only the Cowboys' safety couldn't secure the catch in bounds. But it just showed you the ball skills and the instincts to make a play for his teammates and try to help his friend out to make a play and just being involved around the football at all times. I really can't say enough about his tape. It speaks for itself. You can find a couple of these play breakdown clips on John Conjemi's All-22 up on MiamiDolphins.com. We've tweeted them out, put them on Facebook. You can find it anywhere the Dolphins are. And also, if you want to go even further in depth, get yourself a Game Pass account. It's free right now from the NFL. Check out Byron Jones' tape. It's a lot of fun to watch. I promise you'll love it. Up next on my list here is the center coming over from the Patriots, Ted Karras. Talk to him on that podcast as well. And from that podcast, you can infer some of the things you see on his tape. A smart, communicative player player, really the type of guy mentally that you want in the middle of things, calling out your protection, your protections rather, and working in unison with the back in the running game as far as leverage points and angles go. He's always finding additional work. He was the first to admit on our podcast that maybe he's not the most athletic center in the world, but you wouldn't necessarily know it from his tape based on the way he approaches blocks in the open field. He's able to come in controlled and has the feet to stay square over his pads and lines up his shots so that he can alter the tackler's route to the ball carrier, and it makes things easier both on the back and his fellow interior offensive linemen to work in unison on those blocks. He just takes terrific angles at both the first and second levels, doesn't overextend himself, and typically maintains his balance, and you see that in his ability to mirror in the middle of the offensive line. You know that drill you see at the combine with the rabbit? where one offensive lineman works back and forth chasing a fellow offensive lineman who's just trying to run from cone to cone and get him off balance. And that really serves in-game function for stuff like twists and slants and stunts from the defensive line. And you can see that come into play with Karras' tape, even though the drill is now a thing of the past. But it's an area where Karras will excel because of his patience. He doesn't click his heels and his football acumen allows him to anticipate those games, stunts, twists, and slants up front, and match those rush moves. So if a rusher wants to cross his face, he has the ability to get over there and make that block. And what pairs really well with his skill set is the ability to really drop that anchor in pass protection. He's so technically refined that he can absorb the bull rush from much bigger defensive tackles and stonewall them at the point of attack. He can win when he's out leveraged, for instance. If he has to seal someone that has him outflanked and all I mean by that is he's lined up on the middle of the football if there's a tackle to his left off of his left shoulder if they want to run the ball to the left that means he's outflanked and you then have to hit that reach block. And this is when you're trying to run the ball to that same side of the field. You have the play side tackle, whether it's a one technique, a two technique, a two eye technique, and those just line up with where the players are in the specific gap. And the center has to get out in front and turn that man and create a seal on the play side. And again, the balance, the acumen and proper alignment of his angles allows him to execute those difficult blocks the majority of the time. And he also has really good hands to throw his own punches inside the chest plate and really helps him control the rep. And that works both in the running game and in the passing game. 
There's a couple of plays, I think, that really signify what he brings to the table. One against the Bengals last year. It's the first quarter, a third and 10 on the plus 23-yard line, 11.52 to go in that first quarter. They throw a little swing route to James White. He gets out in space. He hits the guy he's supposed to block initially, spins off of it. The player recovers. Kara stays in line, stays in front of him, and then buries him, and that's the key block to lead James White into the end zone. Really impressive rep there out in space for the new Dolphins center. A play against the Cleveland Browns. He's working the middle of the formation. It's the first quarter, 2.14 to play, second down and seven, ball on the plus eight yard line. So about to go in for the score. And Ted Karras does so well to match and mirror a player who wants to cross face and try to throw a slant at him. And he's not having it. Just gets into his pass set, matches him, mirrors him, goes back and forth and really shuts down that interior pass rush for the Patriots to score a touchdown on that play. Then going back even further in the season, I think it was a week six game against the Giants in the fourth quarter, two minute warning. It's second down and eight on the plus 35. And I talked about him being outflanked by a one technique, which again, just means the tackles lined up off the shoulder of the center. And he has to get to the opposite side of that tackle. So he has to reach him and get out in front and turn and seal that gap. And he does it so beautifully on that play. It creates a huge running lane that creates a big play in the running game. And then finally a play against Washington early Earlier in the season. It's the third quarter. There's five minutes and 53 seconds to go. Second down and seven on the minus 45. And I think this play really showcases his ability to stay aligned and to keep his balance against a pass rush that's throwing multiple different things at him. On this particular play, there is a nose tackle lined up head over him and tries to rush off Ted's left. And then once he sees the gap created over the right side of Ted because the right guard and right tackle have kind of fanned out a little bit in their protection assignments, he tries to cross face and Ted just matches him and stays locked in the entire time, doesn't get off balance, doesn't get over his skates, doesn't fall off the block, and finishes the block and it results in a big play for the Patriots offense. So tough, durable player who's going to be out there for you and be reliable. He's very smart, can communicate things he sees on the field. And we know by now from talking to him how excited he is to get down to Miami and get to work this offseason. And I think what Miami gets with Ted Karras is a very durable, very sturdy, very dependable player in the middle of the offensive line that can play both guard and center, respectively. As for a guy that Ted Karras is going to be blocking for this season, new Dolphins running back Jordan Howard. I went over all the production stats on that previous podcast, but just a refresher, really, really good pass protection numbers, really good third and fourth down and short production numbers, and a guy that really, in terms of general production, has been one of the top five or six backs since he came into the league back in 2016 with Chicago, played multiple offenses, multiple running styles, been part of all three aspects of the game as a runner, as a pass catcher, and in pass protection. And I love the way he always presses the designed hole of the run. He doesn't get big eyes and bail on the target or mesh point in terms of where the play is supposed to go. And he reads his breaks based upon what he sees and how the play develops and how he anticipates it. So he presses the design of the play and then makes his decision to bend, bang, or bounce. And bounce means you kick it outside. Bang means you bang it right up in that gap. Or bend means you bring it back across the formation and bend it backwards. He has a super powerful lower half with a forward lean that churns out extra yardage upon contact, typically falls through that contact for the additional yards and does really well to set up and manipulate the blocks to increase the likelihood that his lineman can get the correct angle on that particular block. 
And what I mean by an anticipation runner is very well played out in this carry against the Chicago Bears last year. Third quarter, 14.44 to go with the first and 10 on the minus 27-yard line. And the play is designed to go off the left side of the formation. And Howard just keeps working and just keeps working to get that play stretched out. And then he sees a cutback angle to get to the backside of the formation. And he not only gets to that lane, but he condenses that cutback in tight to his linemen. So it creates better leverage and better angles for those linemen to hit those blocks and not only does it make the job easier for his offensive linemen it makes it tougher for the defenders to find the correct gap to shoot and try to make a play on the ball carrier so you can see the intelligence and anticipation and vision of Jordan Howard then you go to a game earlier the week prior against the Buffalo Bills first quarter 12-15 on the clock second down and 10 on the minus 27 yard line and Howard gets a carry that puts him in a one-on-one situation with the Bills linebacker Tremaine Edmonds one of the better young linebackers in the NFL and it's a mono e mono power versus power situation and Howard just lines it up squares it up and runs Edmonds over so that's a good look for a guy that has that power and vision combination and speaking of the vision there was a play the week prior against the Dallas Cowboys it's the first quarter 717 to go first and 10 on the minus 28 yard line and we talk about how Howard can set those blocks up at the first level but he's very good and very innate at doing that at the second level as well again creating better leverage points for his lineman climbing to that second level hitting those linebackers and creating space in that second level so he can then get that power into the third level into the secondary and Howard does so well again to condense things run up tight against those linemen and it just forces defenders to make quicker decisions and to be more sound and more sharp on those decisions and that minuscule second of delay can be the difference between a three yard gain and breaking that tackle and getting into the second level and turning into a 30 yard gain so plenty of examples there And he also does well to turn potential disasters into positive gains. There was a play against the Vikings last year where the tackle gets beat inside by the defensive end and Howard wants to stretch it out wide. And instead of just taking on that contact and possibly taking a loss, he continues to stretch it out and gives the lineman a better angle to recover and get that block or at least make some kind of contact so Howard can take care of him with his speed and with his own physical running style. Just does a good job of helping out his lineman making plays. And I think the best Jordan Howard game from 2019 was a week four contest in Green Bay, a game the Eagles had to have. They were one and two heading into a short week on the road. And Jordan Howard's physical running style really wore the Packers down in the fourth quarter. He had six carries for 44 yards and a touchdown in that fourth quarter. And the play I'm looking at right here is the first play of the fourth quarter, a first and 10 at the plus 18 yard line. And once again, it's the same story. He just finds these cutback lanes and these short gaps to burst through to where he can square his shoulders up to the defense square his shoulders up to the goal line and just get going north and south and inflict punishment on the defense and you see that on a later run a second touchdown run against the Packers where it's he against Blake Martinez and Martinez is there in the gap ready to square up on Jordan Howard and Howard just pops him blasts him you see Martinez fall off to the side and Howard falls right through into the end zone it's just that pure that pure physical power he brings to the offense it gives you a mindset it gives you a mentality it gives you an identity on offense when you can run the ball that way when the defense knows it's coming everyone in the stadium knows it's coming and Jordan Howard can still give you three four five yards a pop in those situations and I think that game the way he wore the Packers down in the fourth quarter is a good example of what you can do in Miami particularly in those early season games in that hot humid weather as teams get tired in the fourth quarter And quite frankly, I think most guys don't want to make that tackle on a player like that in that situation. So it gives you an added benefit there at your home field too. 
As for the other aspects of the game for Jordan Howard, we talked about pass protection off the top. The way he goes out and seeks the contact and initiates that contact and really does a good job of finding out where the immediate pressure is as that last line of defense. And like we talked about in the podcast interview with Jordan, He's only allowed two hits on his quarterback in his entire career on 255 pass blocking reps, so clearly he gets the job done. I posted a video from Brett Coleman on my Twitter timeline a while back last week sometime where he broke down Jordan Howard's rookie season, and there's a couple of clips in there against the Colts from that 2016 year where two defensive backs tried to blitz, and Jordan Howard flattened them, put them on their backside. Again, that kind of mindset, that toughness, that physical brand of football, he brings it every single time. And on that topic, as a pass catcher, his production has gone down every year as his career has gone along, but that's more about usage and actual targets than anything else. I mean, when you talk about the screen game, what is the screen game? It's deception, it's patience, it's setting up your blocks, letting those big guys get out in front, and that's his best trait. So he can do a lot of things for you in the passing game because of that wiggle, because of the way he understands the concepts and leverage to win as a route runner out of the backfield, setting up guys on the angle route, coming back over the middle, finding the proper landmark on flares and flats. I think he can contribute in all three phases of the game. He's dropped just two passes the last two years on 40 targets. As a pass catcher, he's smooth in his ability to gather and get his head upfield without losing balance, and he can also do that with the football off of his frame if he has to reach out wide or down low. So plenty of good work there from Jordan Howard in all three phases of the game. Going back to the offensive line, I now want to talk about the Miami native coming home, Eric Flowers, and I think first it's important to note the position change last year. We can laud Flowers for his versatility, but the truth is last year was really his first at guard, whether it was in college or the pros, a tackle at Miami, a tackle with the Giants, last year in Washington, a guard, and with Flowers, the Dolphins get exactly what they want in a player, a tough, physical, workman-like mindset that can play multiple positions across the offensive line, and Flores has talked about this, the more guys can do, the more game day active roster flexibility it gives you, say we've got, and this is totally hypothetical, say we've got two or three very capable interior backups, and a tackle goes down with an injury in-game, you can kick Flowers out there, and then elevate your sixth man into his guard position, and pick up right there, so versatility, that's apparent before you turn the tape on, but you also see the light come on at guard as the season wears on. And that has to be a major selling point for his upside. At just 25 years old, mind you, I think it's entirely fair to say that his best football of his life is ahead of him. And if that's the case, if he improves upon his second half of the season showing last year, then you've got a damn good one here in Miami. You read any pre-draft stuff from 2016, and you're going to find a lot of similar scouting notes. I talked about Lance Zerline suggesting that Flowers kicking inside immediately upon getting drafted could be best for him. And I found an article from SB Nation, Stephen White, who played defensive end in the league for eight years, and he talks about Flowers' pad level being more in line with playing inside. But what's more, he talks about Flowers' innate ability at that size, at six foot six, 330 pounds, to really square up up on his second level blocks and that my friends is where we get into the discovery of how great Flowers potentially can be in those blocks. He had some blocks man where he just wipes people out and I can analogize it for you guys this way. Think about trying to hit a 95 mile an hour fastball with a baseball bat that weighs 50 ounces. Now, typically, big leaguers are going to use a bat in the 33 to 37 ounce range. So you've got this cut of lumber that's way bigger than a normal bat, and you're trying to maintain your bat speed and catch up to the velocity of a major league pitcher. Well, Flowers is using that 50 ounce bat 
and he's getting his hands around quick enough, so to speak. He's hitting those open field blocks impressively despite those defensive backs and linebackers with time and opportunity to get out of the way of those blocks and get around them and make a tackle, but he is pretty consistent in the way he squares them up. From the tape and pass pro, he's long enough, and that wingspan, six foot six, 34 and a half inch arms, and the wide base-to-base set that he gets into, the ability to stonewall an initial rusher, disengage with one arm, and search for help on his outside or inside post. There's a rep on the first drive of the Jets game last year where he does this, takes on the initial surge of a bull rush, takes his left arm off and helps his left tackle. Like he's so powerful that he can hang on to that block one-handed. He seems to really understand rush gaps and where guys are coming from and when they are bluffing the blitz. He gains enough depth, stays light on the balls of his feet to find good angles and searches for work when his guy bails out, goes out and helps somebody else out, making the job on everybody else easier. A common theme with these Dolphins free agent signings, guys that help their teammates by the way they play. And he works especially hard to find games and anticipates them. He's very technically sound on his double teams, shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip. I love watching the way he searches for guys coming across the face when they do run slants or twists or stunts. He executes some hellacious double teams with that shoulder-to-shoulder, hip-to-hip mentality. There's a play against the Panthers in that game last year where he gets a chip on Gerald McCoy and sends him into the tackle, and McCoy gets turned all the way around and completely out of the play. He then climbs to the second level on Luke Keekley and drives him five yards downfield. That's Luke Keekley, a future Hall of Fame linebacker that he pretty much wipes out of that play altogether. In that Carolina game, had several other plays. On one particular play, he pulls from the backside to the play side and puts a defensive tackle on his butt on a trap block. Really fun looking play there for Eric Flowers, putting a player on his back. Had several pancakes in that game. Another rep where he stays patient in his pass set, draws a punch out of the defensive lineman and just swipes it like it's no big deal and knocks the guy to the ground for another pancake. Another play in that game, a second level climb where he completely wipes out the Mike linebacker, squares him up, puts him on his backside again. A play against the Lions in the second quarter of that game where he contacts three guys with incredible push, goes left hand, right hand to help reposition the center's block and makes that block easier on him, then climbs the second level and gets that block on the linebacker. Last year for Washington, it was a bit of a revolving door at left tackle with Trent Williams missing the entire season. So Flowers not only had to play a position that was new for him, he also had to pick up a lot of slack on that offensive line. The growth you saw from him week to week, week one all the way to week 17, where he was just aces against the Cowboys in that game. That should not be shortchanged. It's an impressive growth season for him. And consider this, the Dolphins team we saw in September compared to the one we saw in December was very different. And that's after the war of attrition started to fill up the injury list. And after Miami broke the record for most players to take a snap in a single season, those two factors, Flowers growth and the Dolphins growth, I think they pair together like peanut butter and jelly, baby. And the last guy on our list here is safety slash special teams captain from the Bengals last season, Clayton Fedulum. And I pulled the very first play on his game pass script is a kickoff in a week 17 game against the Browns. It's a kickoff with 155 to go in the fourth quarter. He's lined up on the hash mark closest to the kicker. Everyone stays in their gap and Fedulum is just hunting the football, crosses the formation, takes on a block and makes the tackle. This dude just plays with his hair on fire. It's fun to watch. And while he was the Bengals, 
single special team captain last year. He did play 112 snaps on defense, and you see him line up everywhere that a safety possibly can go, so it's not like he's an exclusive box safety or a deep safety. One thing I am sure of is he's a damn good tackler. He gets to his spot, drives out of it, and closes down quickly, and he arrives with force. A couple of times, he's on the field third down and long in dime packages as the sixth defensive back. He basically plays the sticks and tries to rally and make the play, and he's so sound at getting that job done. He covered some tight ends and some backs down around the box. He played one of the two split safeties deep off the football, did some post-snap rotation. So just as is the case with a lot of Miami signings, he's got the versatility, the complete utter desire to leave everything he has in the football field. And I want to talk about one more kickoff with this guy because this play blew my mind. It's against the Jets' first quarter, a minute 12 to play in the first quarter. And again, he's aligned alongside the kicker on the hash mark in the middle of the field. He runs 40 yards downfield before he meets his first blocker at the minus 30. And he just, if you've ever seen Major League, Jack Parkman on Rube Baker runs him over. When the train's in the tracks, you better get off onto the next. Then after that, he catches a block square in his face and just chucks the guy like a rag doll to the ground, finds the ball carrier and makes the tackle. My goodness, this guy is some fun, fun special teams tape. And that carries over to his defensive tape as well. He made a really, really nice play on a draw play on third and 17 in the season opener against the Seahawks in open space. Chris Carson gets him one-on-one. He gets him to the ground. So just a very sound tackler who plays hard and can do multiple things. Sign me up for a roster with 53 guys that can do that. So on tomorrow's podcast, we'll cover the other five players we didn't talk about today. Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy, Emmanuel Ogba, Alandon Roberts, and Kamu Grugier Hill. We're going to wrap up free agency and all the notes you guys need to get on these 10 new Miami Dolphins players, putting this team in position to attack the draft aggressively with flexibility. We'll have plenty of coverage on this draft from now up until draft day, which is just over three weeks away for the moment we've all been waiting for as Dolphins fans. I can't wait to bring that information and that detailed analysis for you guys. We have plenty of great stuff planned here on MiamiDolphins.com, on the Drive Time Podcast, on our socials. The entire network going to cover this thing comprehensively as your go-to source for Miami Dolphins football. But as for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple, Spotify. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review, five stars. Follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins, at Miami Dolphins. And be sure to check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ. Check out the Audible with Kim and John. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.